This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll have Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated to talk about what he saw at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ as far as practice goes, and Deshaun Jackson, a new wide receiver for the Silver and Black. And earlier in today's show, you heard Rich Basaccia say why the Raiders pursued Deshaun Jackson, why they thought he was a good fit with the team. Well, why did Deshaun Jackson want to sign with the Raiders? Well, let's find out now as he's at the podium. Tashawn Reed from The Athletic, uh, you know, following your release uh, from the Rams, how did your sort of interest get sparked up with the Raiders? How did the deal ultimately come together? Ah, man, um, honestly, man, after after I got released, um, was it like two weeks ago, I kind of was really just reflecting, sitting back reflecting, um, didn't really rush to make any decisions, just really wanted to see, um, you know, the best situation to fit me. And, uh, you know, once I f- uh, finally clear waivers, um, obviously, my agent, you know, had a few teams, you know, that was very interested. And, um, you know, for me, just more like I was interested in a playoff contender. You know, I wanted to go somewhere to a, a winning culture and had a chance to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, kind of narrowed down to a few teams. And, um, you know, just being an L.A. guy, being, you know, close to home, you know, the weather, you know, all that good stuff. I like, man, I didn't want to go nowhere cold. And, you know, I just felt like the, the, the Raiders fit, um, you know, match perfect. So that's kind of how – you know, it got intrigued on my end. Sean, uh, you're, you're getting dropped in in the middle of the season uh, in a situation. Um, does it help that there's a veteran quarterback in place? Um, and maybe the, the offense was a little bit similar, uh, what you were doing in Los Angeles to what they're doing. Yeah, I think um, first off, obviously, uh, you know, coming to any <laughs> team or any program in mid- middle of the season, obviously tough to kind of grasp the offense. Obviously, you know, these NFL offenses, are, you know, very strategic, a lot of information, so a lot of new code and wording, and um, you know, but it, it did play a part that you know he used to be with Sean McVay, and uh, you know a lot of words, code words, um, are similar. Definitely a, a different system, but um, you know at this point, you know have a package for me. You know certain plays I'll be able to get in there and just play fast, and you know Derek Carr, you know the young guys, they're all helping me, and you know, it's been a smooth process. I know it's, you know the first day was today was practice, but you know, since Monday, I got in here, got in the building, kind of been getting a jump start on the offense and, you know, just taking the steps. But I, I'm definitely comfortable that, you know, D.C., you know, all the guys around will make it comfortable when I get out there. So it makes it a lot better. A lot of weapons on this team with Darren Waller, Renfro, Edwards, yourself now, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. How do you feel you fit into that um, scheme? I mean, honestly, man, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'm asked to do. Um, at this point, you know, where I'm at, like I say, coming in, midway through it, um, you know, unfortunately, the situation with Ruggs. So kind of just not saying filling that role, but just being that spark, you know, what I've been able to do my whole career, you know, deep threat, vertical threat, and, uh, you know, having a defense have to account for that. So, you know, if it's being a decoy, opening it up for other guys, like you said, Waller, you know, Hunter, whatever it is I need to do to, you know, be a spark, that's what I'm here for. Sean, uh, 
LeeBibersRaiders.com, of course, who are Raiders guy. Do you have any fond childhood memories of the Raiders just growing up there in L.A. from the time that they were there? Yeah, I mean, I actually think my first NFL game actually was a Raider game at the Coliseum. It was actually, it's crazy. The Chiefs was playing the Raiders, and I was on the sideline, took a picture. I was young. I was probably like seven, eight years old. But um, I can remember that my, my older brother used to play for the Chiefs, so he had a relationship with, uh, you know, the coach. I don't know if it was Dick Vermeer at the time, but uh, so I was a young, young guy on the sideline, and that was my first, like, NFL game. So it was almost like it was big for me. Ever since then, I always wanted to play in the NFL, so – um, to look back now, how time, you know, changes and turns, um, you know, putting on the black and silver. So it's, it's definitely going to be special. Deshaun, Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press. Rich Pisaccia said that Saturday's Zoom meeting was really important in terms of, you know, getting to know you, the offensive staff, and you had made them feel that you wanted to be here, be a part of this organization. Yeah. Um, with what this organization has gone through over the last three weeks, what was important to you in that meeting to get across to them both on and off the field about Deshaun Jackson? I mean, honestly, uh, you know, it's, it's really not about myself at this point. You know, playing playing this long, um, having a career like I've had, um, just kind of fitting in a, in a situation where, you know, it's a winning culture. And, uh, you know, for me, like I said, the accolades, the stats are there, all that stuff is there. But, you know, I really want to win and, uh, you know, chase a Super Bowl. So, uh, like I said, I think it's a, it's a great fit here. I know it's, it's a lot of adversity going on, like you said, with the organization and things that's been here. But, you know, sometimes that's that's what builds character. You know, when, when people are always against you and going against you and thinking everything's bad, you know, it, it definitely shows what a group can do when they, you know, face adversity. So I think right now it's, it's the best time for everybody to gel together, come closer together, and really just, you know, make the best out of the situation. You know, you can't really change what's happened. But the best thing about life is you can always better yourself and move forward day in and day out. So... I think, you know, that meeting really, you know, showed for me just being able to come in and be a veteran leader, being a veteran guy. And, you know, I'm not asking to get the ball 100 times. I'm not asking to play 100%. Whatever that role is that fits, you know, just let me play it to the best of my ability. So, I said, I think that that was the biggest thing with the with the conversation in that Zoom meeting. And them just kind of letting me know their expectations, what they expect from me. So, I think, you know, after we met, we both kind of felt good about that, and it, and it definitely worked out. Sean, I know it was a couple of days in August mm-hmm. that you guys practiced against the Raiders. And, yeah. uh, I was there. It was pretty feisty. <laughs> Definitely. Um, did you see something about the Raiders uh, in terms of you know their willingness to compete and fight uh, those two days? Yeah, definitely. Um, you could tell it was a, it was a, it was a definitely a, like you said a a group that was had swagger to it. They had like some realness to it, you know. And you know, on the flip side, uh, you know, when we was practicing versus them, it was like more like. I guess they felt there was a tougher tougher group out of it. But, uh, you know, looking back at it, I mean, I wasn't able to really able to see the offense because, you know, we was on different fields. But I could all, all I can remember is looking up and seeing them fight on the other field. <laughs> I mean, we had a little scuffle on the offense side, but it was more like on the defense side. It was like we kept looking up and there was scuffle after scuffle. But, uh, you know, it, it just kind of shows that, uh, you know, they're a feisty group and, you know, they, they have each other's back and, uh, you know, they, they fight for each other for sure. On that call, Gasatu uh, said it was important to you that you made it clear that Derek Carr was a guy you wanted to play with. What's it been like watching him from afar, and what grew that? Uh, you know, what, what have you seen on him made you want to bring you here? And then just one other thing I wanted to ask you about more lightheartedly. Uh, you said you know, growing up a Raiders fan in LA, mm-hmm. what do you make of Las Vegas? And obviously the franchise relocating here is that, that a little less strange for you? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I think that like going back to the call and uh, obviously having Derek Carr, Carr at quarterback. Uh, 
you know, I've been able to see him do some special things in his career. Obviously, um, going back to his rookie year and uh, just, man, his arm strength, you know, his big playability, his, his toughness, his swagger, um, you know, his intangibles to be a quarterback. I think, you know, he has all the, the great things in a quarterback that you ask for. And, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar was, is, is a good friend of mine. You know, I played with him in Philly for a little bit. So after he left Philly, I was able to kind of see what he came here and did and uh, had a lot of success. So, you know, just really seeing that vertical threat in this offense and, you know, ha having that, that playmaking ability for myself and, you know, obviously a quarterback that could get the ball down the field is huge because, um, you know, there was other options out there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was very confident in the situation that he's able to get the ball down the field. And, uh, you know, the second question, obviously being here in Las Vegas, you know, I went to Cal Berkeley, obviously, growing up. And, uh, you know, being in college, being around Oakland when they was the Raiders, just their culture, you know, Marshawn Lynch, having guys like Kurt Morrison, Fabian Washington, um, D'Angelo Hall, Nambi. I mean, like all them guys that played for the, the black and silver. I mean, there was something about it that was special, and they all had, you know, like a pride, you know, like, man, yeah, I played for the Raiders. So I was like, man, you know, for it to come full circle for me to finally be able to say I put it on, you know, I – I got a lot of vision for it, and I'm just, you know, looking forward to the first game Sunday. Deshaun, on your uh, last couple of days on Instagram, your your story, you've had some one-liners, some some quotes. Mm -hmm. Today you threw Nip up. Nipsey's got a, a a lot of influence on a lot of athletes. Um, is there one song, one lyric that you your go-to that you sort of abide by? I think, man, honestly, just the hustle name, man. Just uh, you know, just. Since I've been young, I've always been hustling. But uh, I think, you know, grinding on my life, that song is very special. I, I think, you know, being a guy that's born and raised in Los Angeles, but, you know, from going all over to L.A. to Northern Cal to Southern Cal, like just playing sports everywhere. It's like, you know, I have a quote, you know, born in, born in no, made in Cali, but I can't remember what it was. But basically it's a quote I got on me tattooed somewhere. But it's just basically saying I'm – I'm from L.A. or made in Cali, but I've been everywhere. And it's just like I think it's basically, you know, groomed me and made me this person that I am today. So I, I really take pride in coming from Los Angeles, California. There he goes right there, the newest uh, Raider wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson right there. And uh, shout-out to Willie Ramirez who brought up Nipsey Hustle and, the, and found a way to bring up Nipsey. Uh, and I just knew he was going to go to – Last time that I checked, and then boom, it was just gonna. Then the beat was gonna drop, but grinding on my life. That hey man, that, I ain't mad at that. That's good. Shout out to Willie Ramirez for being able to get that on. Right now, another man who was at the presser was able to talk to Deshaun Jackson, saw what he was all about, heard what he had to say. Was our very own Hondo Carpenter. He's from Sports Illustrated, of course, but does his work in the morning as well with uh, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Hondo. We do appreciate your time, and I know you're a busy guy. But what was your impressions of what you heard and what you saw from Deshaun Jackson? today you know it's one thing to hear from players i mean from the player it's another when you hear from teammates and coaches and you should have heard Derek carr the way he raved about having his presence in fact Derek talked about in the meetings today he was asking Derek questions when do you want me there can i run it this way as long as i'm still there and Derek at one point said man I was hoping the other wide receivers were listening <clears throat> so they would start asking some of those questions. I think when you see with Deshaun Jackson, and they did their research, <clears throat> they weren't getting drama with him. 
Mm-hmm. No, there was other receivers people wanted that would have brought drama, and that wouldn't have fit with the Raiders. Deshaun is not that guy. You know, yeah, he wanted to leave his last team, but he didn't leave there with any bitterness or anger or any problems. And he brings a sense of to this team, a young team of wide receivers, hey, here's how you approach the game. Here's how you study the game. And when you heard even Quentin talking about having him there, it just the whole atmosphere was so upbeat. You get the speed that you lost, but, man, you also get the brains of a wily veteran. The Raiders are better today. Yeah, no, it seems like it, you know, and we just listened to the Deshaun Jackson uh, presser, and I, I like what I was hearing from him. And really what stood out to me, Hondo, was when he talked about Derek Carr and he talked about the swagger, talked about the arm strength and the big playability and the fact that Nelly Aguilar is one of his friends and he, he saw what Nelly was able to do with Derek Carr, and he feels like and envisions himself kind of in that role. What did you think when he had that to say? Well, I once again thought about the car haters. And here are great players that keep saying they want to play for Derek Carr. You know, Derek again brought up the fact Sunday was on him. In fact, he talked about it. I don't even remember the last time I threw a ball and said, what was that all about? And that's why guys want to play for him. He leads from the front. And let's be honest, to have a Deshaun Jackson who's smart enough to know how to get open, he knows how to alter a route when Derek has to move off of him. He knows how to get into Derek's field of vision. And is there any doubt that Derek Carr, just like with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, isn't going to have eyes wide open looking for a Deshaun Jackson? Right, right. No, exactly. And, and how long, how quickly do you think that they can get up to speed? Like you mentioned, Deshaun Jackson, he does know how to get open. He's been in the league for a long time. He's a great route runner. How quickly do you think they can get on the same page? Sunday. <laughs> I do. And he's going to play. They want him to play. He's already adjusting. Do I think he's going to have 100% knowledge of the playbook? No, I do not. But I'm going to tell you this. I trust he already knows the offense really well. Mm-hmm. And so he's a guy that steps in, and it's something that all Derek Carr has to do is look at him and say, six, seven, nine, right. give him a number. And if Derek knows that he's going to run that route, Derek's going to look for him. You know, this route, this offense is built on throwing to a spot. But if you know you got Deshaun Jackson going on a seven route, you may not know what exact yard line he's going to be at because with his speed, you got to adjust to that. But you know he's going to be there. I expect him to make an immediate impact. Yeah, that would be nice to see, and I do feel pretty confident, like you said, you could just tell him where his responsibilities are on that play, and he's going to go do it as a 14-year vet in the league. Right now we're talking to Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated, also the morning tailgate with Clay Baker here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And as, as far as, you know, D.C. and what he told us all offseason, all training camp, all preseason about, you know, trusting the guys, uh, the wide receivers, because he's putting in a lot of work with them, a lot of practice with them, that's the young guys. What we have seen from Derek Carr is he's been very comfortable his whole career career throwing to veterans if it's James Jones if it's Nelly you know uh, if it's Michael Crabtree all these guys that are veterans he's been very comfortable throwing them to them immediately how much is that going to help them as far as this game goes on Sunday well let me give you a hilarious story that the listeners and you will love Derek was talking about the last time they talked was at the joint practices and he said you know all the young guys were fighting him and I were just sitting there talking (laughs) (laughs) 
and he talked about and there's already that chemistry. There's already that respect. Deshaun wanted to play for Derek. Derek wanted Deshaun. That says something. Right. You know, it's it says something. And so even what he may not be able to gather out of the playbook, Derek's going to be helping him. I expect him to be an immediate impact player. And as bad as the Chiefs defense has been playing, I would be stunned if we don't see Deshaun Jackson with some big impact plays. And, and here's the thing. I'm not minimizing Henry Ruggs' talent. He's a very talented, very fast guy. But he also was young. Right. And he had to learn. So you add that speed with somebody that's already a seasoned veteran. Man, right now that's an upgrade. Now, clearly it's not going to be an upgrade for the next five or ten years. Right. But it sure is an upgrade for 2021. And that's the best you can hope for this time of year. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And, Hondo, before we let you go, I did want to ask you real quick about D.C. He did talk to the media earlier and obviously coming off a, a bad game against the Giants. What was his demeanor like? What did you feel like You know, his, his energy level was like? Do you think that he's flushed that game, put that behind him, and is ready to, to look forward to Kansas City? I'm going to say no on the flushing, but he was upbeat, jacked, and I think he's ready to play. Okay. Um, I think he was mad. And, you know, he's the one that kept bringing up how poorly he played. The media didn't have to. He brought it up. And to me, it was a little bit of an edgy Derek Carr. And when I say edgy, I mean, obviously upbeat. He's excited. His kids are healthy. He's happily married. He's, you know, very well off. He's got a great job. But edgy from the standpoint, that's not how he usually plays. And today I got the definite feeling there's a chip on Derek Carr's shoulder, and he's ready to knock it off. I'm going to say right now, Q, I'm going to go out on the limb. I said it Monday on the tailgate, and I'm going to say it right now on your show. Raiders are going to win, and they've got an edge. They're salty, and I'm. if you are the, the, the Kansas City Chief, this is not the week you want to play the Raiders at the Death Star. This is going to be a big win for the, for the Raiders. Okay. All right. There it is. Hondo Carpenter, let it be known. Put it out there. I like it, man. Great stuff from Sports Illustrated. You can find Hondo in his work and, of course, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker as well. Hondo, uh, you got anything coming out on Sports Illustrated that Raider fans should be on the lookout for? Yes. We're going to have a really great article on Saturday looking at Rich Bisaccia, okay. who has done just about everything right. He doesn't want to talk about himself, but, man, we got some general managers in the league to talk about him. We got players to talk about him, and him very briefly enough to tell me, I appreciate the question, but I don't want to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know that's right. Well, Hondo, great work. Keep it up, man. We do appreciate you uh, on Sports Illustrated and, of course, here with us as well. So thank you so much for your time, my man. Be safe out there, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, my friend. All right, there he goes. Honda Carpenter does a great job with Sports Illustrated. Uh, yeah, check that out because I remember we were there on Monday and we talked to Rich Basaccia, and one of the questions was maybe it was Friday. It might have been Friday. My days start to uh, all run together. I think it was Friday, and he said and he, he said that straight up. Rich, I know you don't like talking about yourself, and he doesn't. I mean, Rich Basaccia is all about the team. It's no I. It's all about the team. And Hondo just asked him straight up, like, hey, I did want to ask you about you, even though we know that you don't really want to talk about you. And uh, he was very respectful. He said, hey, I respect the question, but you're right. I don't 
want to talk about me. So uh, that's going to be a good piece to look out for uh, with Hondo. We got a couple minutes before we get to Con- Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated as well to talk about the piece uh, he put out on Monday Morning Quarterback, a little controversial piece about the Raiders. But, uh, hey, everyone gets an opportunity to speak, and so we're going to definitely hear from him coming up at 3.30. I know you have a couple calls you had lined up. Demond, who do you got up that you want to get to? Big Jose in San Jose. Big Jose in the 408. What's up, Jose? What's up, man? How's it going, bro? Oh, it's great. I'm blessed. Right on. Hey, that's exciting stuff listening to the D-Jacks talk. Man, I can't wait to see him out on the field. Right, right. You got me fired up. Hey, you know the one thing that I want to say when you was asking before the break, before we went to Hondo, about what's your greatest fear about this game? My greatest fear is that the old Raiders show up and we take those stupid uh, penalties like Martin's pushing the pile and lowering the helmet and all those other kind of PIs that we get, you know, and right. and first and unnecessary references. I think that as long as we don't beat ourselves, you know, with those mistakes, I think we should be just fine. I think that, you know, it's going to be kind of scary and, and imposing for the Chiefs to come into the Death Star with, with Woodson getting his ring and just being Sunday Night Football and everything else. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot of energy in the building. And I just hope that doesn't... Uh, that energy doesn't become too contagious to all the players to where they make, you know, dumb mistakes, you know, being over-physical. Yeah, right, and right. Not staying, in, not staying in their lanes, you know? Right. That's prone to happen to a young team. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, great call. We'll definitely appreciate you, my man. Uh, lots of good stuff right there. And, yeah, don't go in there too jacked up. Don't get, you know, don't hyperventilate. Don't blow everything on the first, you know, first couple snaps. You got to go there and you got to, uh, you know, you got to stay composed and be about yourself. So great call, Jose. We definitely appreciate you. Let's uh, stick it right here in Vegas and uh, talk to our guy, Raider Reggie. What's on your mind, Raider Reggie? Man, what's going on, Q? Chilling, I man. Love I love hearing what I heard from the shot. You know, when you think you know a player, like you might, I've been in places where the players have been, and I've heard them talk, but a lot of times it's, it's uh, coordinated, right? Certain things they're going to say because of the moment that they're in. But when they get off track, like just come real and talk, you could tell a lot about that person. And in that interview, it's not like he stepped back and just let his real conversation come out what he was saying about D.C. and about uh, having that arm and the, to get the ball down the field. So I love hearing that. Um, I'm kind of jacked up right now. I sent you that message, man. My nephew just signed to a D1 school, so I'm, I'm pumped up. Everything got to be facing up, you know? Right. But uh, I appreciate y'all having that interview because I didn't get to hear most of that when it was live. I think they had it on uh, YouTube or something. Yep. But, man, I'm hoping that if we could use him to get downfield, just come out and just blow it up. I know the Chiefs are probably going to expect that, like, play one, deep route, you know. Right. But, man, I hope we could use a couple of those and get him in the end zone, man, and get these Raider fans' heads up out the dirt, man. We went through some tough times, but it ain't over, man. We're in a good position as long as they control their destiny from this point further, man, I think we're going to do all right. We'll be in the playoffs. I'm hoping to see you in two weeks. I'm not going to be there for this game because I'm going to be out of town. But uh, keep everything rolling like you do. Appreciate you and DeMond and Vinny because I know that boy be on his report job. I heard him asking questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> But one love, man. I'm going to the bay. I holla. All right, my man. 
Be safe out there. Be safe out there. We appreciate you. And, uh, okay, we'll catch you when, uh, when you come to the Bengals game uh, a week from Sunday. And uh, just wanted to pass on what Raider Reggie was talking about, his nephew, uh, Dominique Ford. He's actually a Desert Oasis uh, high school kid. Uh, signed his letter of intent today with the University of Idaho. Go play some D1 basketball. And uh, I mentioned it yesterday on the show. I love it when, when the youth get an opportunity to go to the next level and do what they want to do and do what they enjoy doing and get an opportunity to have an education and let them play for it and let them pay for it. And, of course, like I said, go out there and, and compete and have a good time. So Desert Oasis High School, stand up. Be proud. Dominique Ford signed a letter of intent today with the University of Idaho. Before we take a quick break, let's get to Sean in Tennessee real quick. Sean, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Sean, what up? Going once. Going twice. Tennessee whiskey? Nope. All right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> How are you going to ask me what happened? Tomorrow's like, what happened, Q? What do you mean what happened? Oh, okay, hold on. Sean's coming now. Hold on. Last thing I heard was he was saying you're on the air. out of high school. Oh, there you go. Oh. Sean, what's up, my man? Hi. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, that's cool. I was sitting there waiting, but I couldn't hear nothing, so I just waited. All good. Uh, but I was, is this unnecessary roughness? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I listened to uh, – Locked on Raiders. I haven't listened to this one yet, so I will tomorrow since I'm on. But I was just calling to say I don't understand how everybody is saying, including these Raiders insiders, I don't understand how everybody is saying that Deshaun Jackson is the way to go and Odell Beckham isn't when Deshaun Jackson is injury-prone just like Odell Beckham, but worse because it's been multiple years, multiple games. He doesn't run many routes. He's old, and he has baggage, just like Odell Beckham. He is a diva, and he has a bad history of being, I'm not going to say a thug because I don't know that, but he's not necessarily since day one even in, at the University of Cal, he was considered as, I'm, I don't want to say that word, but he was a little bit on the edgy side and had a lot of baggage. So he's in the Rams facility and he's like the fifth option because a younger guy, Tutu Atwell, took over and all of a sudden he wants out. I understand he wants playing time, and he don't have much left in the tank. I get all that, and I get he did it quietly. But let's say he was uh, the third option at the Rams and wasn't getting the playing time and the catches. You don't think he wouldn't have been a diva about getting out? Yes, he would have. So this, like Hondo just said just then, talking all everybody that signs with the Raiders is always talked up, talked up. Well, I'm realistic. And if he only runs a couple routes, how is that going to benefit us? Ruggs only ran a couple routes, but he's young and never was a route runner, has no moves. So why not try to improve instead of keep going for the same status quo? All right. Well, th thank you for the call. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a whole lot to unpack there. Uh, I'm not one that's a, a guy that's going to throw names out of people. 
Uh, so I appreciate you not, uh, you know, calling him uh, some names. And look, I get it, uh, Deshaun Jackson. There's, there's always been different rumors and stuff, but I've never seen him actually in trouble. Trouble. Never really seen any of that. So I, I get your concerns. I think that for me, and this is just me. I can only speak for me. I think that he made a lot of sense because he is a guy with speed. I do believe he runs better routes than you're really giving him credit for. But that's okay. I mean, that, that's fine. We we don't all have to agree on the same thing. Um, I think that he does run really good routes. Um, he was available, like Rich Bisaccia said. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., like DeMond said, is still waiting to see where he wants to go and what he wants to do. And the Raiders are looking for a guy to fill that void right now. I never thought Odell Beckham Jr. was a good fit for the Raiders, period. I said that, I don't know, when it was rumored that he was going to be gone. So, I don't know. I mean, you got to pick your battles, I guess. I think Deshaun Jackson is going to be fine. I think he's going to be good with the team. I think as a veteran, he's going to be able to go in there and fit in. Uh, like I said, I, I'm not going to throw mud at, at a guy and, and, and throw on his name when there's no proof of there needed to be dirt thrown at his name. And DeMond wants me to go to break, but I definitely have to address this call. So I'm going to get wrapped up in just a second. But um, I, I do. I, I think he's going to be fine. I, I think that, that your, your call might be, and I welcome it, may be a little bit of an overreaction. 329 is the time when we come back. Connor Orr, Sports Illustrated, will join the show to talk all things his Monday Monday morning quarterback piece that he put out on Sports Illustrated. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Keeping this thing rolling fast and furious here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're pleased to have now on the phone lines from Sports Illustrated, Connor Orr. You can find him on Twitter, at Connor Orr. And Connor, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And uh, I wanted to have you on because you put out a piece on uh, Sports Illustrated, Monday Morning Quarterback, about the NFL should step in and help stabilize the Raiders. And, of course, as you very well know, that caught a lot of attention from Silver and Black fans, and everyone started tweeting it at me and hitting me up. And it was like, Q, check this out. Check this out. What do you think? Well, I wanted to reach out to you because I wanted you to be able to speak on what was going on, what you're thinking uh, during this piece. Because I, I read it, and it was very well you know, put, put together and everything. So just wanted to have you on to, to be able to talk about it. So obviously we all know the Henry Ruggs situation. We know the Damon Arnett situation. We re- realized that John Gruden situation happened a little earlier, and it's only week 10 so far of the NFL season. So with all that being said, how did this whole piece come together? And what, what were the, you know, the biggest things that were in your mind as you were putting this together? Well, I think the one thing that Raiders fans are sort of misunderstanding here is I'm not suggesting that Mark Davis needs to sell the team or that they need to take the team away from him. I'm just saying that he could benefit probably from a little bit of assistance. And, a lot of people said, what about the Washington football team? And I think there was a little bit of pre-intervention there, right? Mm-hmm. Washington fi- hired a new front-facing executive that deals most with most of the team issues publicly, a new team president, and they hired three former experienced general managers to come in there and replace Bruce Allen and help Ron Rivera with drafting and development and all that kind of stuff. And so I just think that that might be something that would help Las Vegas because I, I just think I get what Mark Davis is trying to do. I get what he's trying to create. But in that atmosphere and in that environment and with the guys that you have on board, right, don't think it's feasible. 
Right, and I mean, obviously, with the the misguided steps that have happened and, and have been well documented the last couple of weeks, I mean, it's it's just on full display right now. And I wanted to ask you because Washington Football Team that was the first team that I thought about as well because they did they had to go and hire and put a lot of different people in place for that very reason. Now, I, I did wonder because Daniel Snyder, and this is really not even the question I was going to ask, but since we're talking about Washington, let's, let me go ahead and ask. Daniel Snyder is still, even though he's not technically running everything, his wife has a lot of control, apparently, in in air quotes, but he's still there, you know? So do you think that he kind of got off pretty good and pretty easy, especially since his team was under investigation and ultimately Gruden is is the guy who who, who loses his job because of their investigation? Well, I think any owner naturally is going to get off scot-free, right? I mean, look at any player who's been – any player or coach who's who's done something against protocol and look at how they've been penalized and look at how any owner that's had an issue publicly outside of Jerry Richardson, how they were treated during in this situation. Right? I mean, uh, he's the only one, the Panthers owner is really the only one that's faced any serious consequences. And it was a forced sale of the team where he netted like a $3 billion profit. So I don't think he can be too upset about that anyway. But, you know, it's one of those situations where I, I don't think an owner is ever going to be punished because they're owners of the NFL, they're the ones that control everything. And so, unfortunately, you know, the, the pendulum of justice sort of swings towards the, uh, the, the pawns in this, which are the coaches, the players, the, the GMs, and all the people who, who don't actually control the, uh, the, the league. Right, no doubt. Talking right now with Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated here on Raider Nation Radio at 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And so for someone that, you know, your suggestion, and you mentioned in your in your piece, there was some uh, some people that are very well respected around the NFL, some high execs, you know, some former uh, GMs uh, across the league that have done some really good things. This is really someone that your suggestion be in place that has no emotional attachment to the Raiders, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can have like a board of advisors or, you know, you mm-hmm. can set this up however you want it. You know, I'm just saying like, you know, I think the reaction to the piece was that I was suggesting that Mark Davis needs to sell or that the NFL should take the team away from Mark Davis. And I don't think, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm all for the original owners, especially the original owner families to stay in the NFL. I think it's part of the heartbeat of the league. But I think if there's a sort of a misstep here where it's gone, it's gone from, you know, uh, you know, a franchise that just isn't performing well to a franchise where a lot of bad things are happening. And it's like, it's getting sort of dangerous and in in a weird way, it's not just ineptitude on the field. And I think that's when you might just benefit from a sounding board. Like, wouldn't it be great to have Thomas Dimitrov and be like, Hey, how did you guys do things in Atlanta? You know, um, how did you guys vet players before the draft? You know, how did you guys uh, evaluate all these things? And so that's really all I'm suggesting here is like some sort of a panel to come in so that Mark Davis can bounce some ideas off some people. And, and to your credit, it wouldn't be the first team that had a panel, like you mentioned. I mean, there's plenty of teams that have had panels. You you, you dialed it up in your in your piece. You, you put it, let it be known. Uh, different organizations, even different leagues that have done done things to help out with organizations. So uh, I, I can see where, you know, like I said, fans would get upset about it, but at the same time, it, it does make sense, and it's a sounding board, and it's just something that, you know, it's just, again, a, a helpful suggestion from someone that doesn't have really an emotional attachment. Now, I, I want to ask you because uh, Mark Davis gave John Gruden that long contract when he was able to lure him out of the booth and, and onto the sideline. And I felt like in my, and this is just my opinion, I felt like he brought him in to be that guy, that be that football guy, to be the guy that can control the operations and thought that he was putting it in the guy who had the best intentions for the team. And ultimately we all know how it worked out on the field. They're pretty good, but nobody saw that that 
you know, those email situation was going to pop up like it did, and it did. Do you feel like he attempted to do that with John Gruden? Possibly, but again, I mean, this is where a sounding board would have helped because, you know, it took me probably, when the Raiders hired John Gruden um, a couple years ago, it took me, what, three weeks to call more than a dozen players that he coached in Tampa Bay and figure out that, like, you know, maybe he's not exactly the kind of guy who can control football operations. You know, there's a lot of guys in Tampa Bay who said, you know, he was sort of a duplicitous character. I mean, you know, he would say one thing to you to your face and then he would do something else behind your back. And so there were a lot of guys that couldn't trust him in the building. Now, there are a lot of guys who liked him, but there are a lot of guys who didn't like him either, you know, couldn't trust him and didn't want to be there. And so I think that's a tough guy to have as the overarching head of your football operations. And then you supplement him with Mike Mayock, who is good at evaluating talent. Like, again, I don't think anybody here is bad at their jobs, but I just think you know, he, he was not an experienced general manager. You know, he does, he did not have any of the requisite experience. And we've seen all these little things that NFL teams do better, you know, vet players, you know, discover red flags, evaluate red flags, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they just, I don't think had any of the in-house ability to get any of this stuff done. So how do you think that Mike Mayock, and we don't know what's going to happen after the season, but how do you think Mike Mayock navigates through the waters moving forward as he now has more control over the roster, controls of what goes on than he did when John Gruden was in place? I mean, listen, I, I, I think that Mike is, is a talented general manager, and you know, as much as the Raiders have struggled, I think the, with draft picks, I think First off, you have to do, you have to figure out who is who is pulling the trigger on this stuff. I mean, did John Gruden want Cleveland Farrell? Did John Gruden want Damon Arnett? Did John Gruden want Henry Ruggs? And it doesn't really matter now if he did or he didn't. But I hate to see a good guy get scapegoated at this point. And that's what it seems like it's lining up for Mike Mayock to uh, sort of get broadsided by the bus. And so I think that you need to kind of audit yourself internally if you're Mark Davis, right? You have to go back through the draft process. You have to figure out how everything happened, who said what, who pulled the trigger, and then you're able to kind of move forward. But, um, you know, I hope Mike Mayock gets that chance um, to maybe operate with a new head coach or to continue as an executive in the league because I think he's done a good job. But this is a difficult situation. And, again, it's, it's one of those things where if Mark Davis can't audit himself, then, you know, he needs to bring in somebody who can't. Right, no doubt about it. We're talking right now with Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated right here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And I did want to ask you one more question about Mike Mayock. Uh, he's put Rich Basaccia, him and Mark Davis have put Rich Basaccia in as the interim head coach. From everything that we've heard and, and everything we and everybody we've talked to, Rich Basaccia is a well-respected guy. Uh, all the players say that they'll run through a wall for him pretty much. What is the uh, outside perception that you're hearing about Rich Basaccia? And do you think that he's the right guy for the job? I think he's a great guy for an intern job. I think, though, historically, and this is nothing against Rich, but look at every, almost every interim situation in recent NFL history and tell me how it works out when you bring the guy back for the second year, right? right. Mm-hmm. You immediately, you know, I mean, whether it's Freddie Kitchens, I mean, you can go back, um, you know, to all these other guys, Jim Tom Sula in San Francisco, and you might have this immediate little bump um, because, you know, maybe some of the players who didn't like the other coach or something start playing better, whatever it is. Um, but after that, I think you suffer from that, you know, that whatever that was. I mean, maybe there's a reason that he wasn't a head coach to begin with in the first place. I don't know. But uh, all I'm saying is, you know, this is a team that, um, you know, has some good 
things going for them. They in the right hands. I think Derek Carr is still a top ten quarterback, and so you know there's uh, there's pieces here, and I think that that job would probably be attractive to another head coach uh, in the offseason. Yeah, Connor. So, what do you say to people that think if this team makes the playoffs, all of this bad thing, all this bad negativity is going to go away because winning cures all? Do you still think that even if this team makes the playoffs, that these issues still need to be addressed? I think so. I mean, you know, are you going to trade like so? Okay, a good example is, you know, I, I kind of liken this to Chicago, right? Where two of the last three years, Matt Nagy made the playoffs, but how happy are Bears fans generally right now with with the status of the team? And would you trade? Um, whatever the, the Nickelodeon Bowl that they lost to the Saints last year, would you trade that game, that playoff appearance, for a good, solid, you know, year turnaround rebuild and maybe give yourself a chance to compete in the division for the next five or ten years? Like, yeah, I mean, I think the Raiders can make the playoffs this year, but does that change the fact that, like, you know, your two first-round picks from 2020 are gone? Basically, that entire draft class has evaporated, like, you know, you can't run the risk of repeating those mistakes again or else, you know, you're in the bottom of that division for the next 10 years. Right. No, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good point. And you're right about the Bears. I mean, there's, they've, they've been to the playoffs and nobody is happy with that situation. And I'm not saying that nobody would be happy with the Raiders making the playoffs because I know Raider Nation would be thrilled about them making the playoffs. But, Connor, ultimately, and we'll wrap up with this, you're basically just looking for some stability and thinking that maybe the organization needs some stability. And going back to what you mentioned about the sounding board, that's really what you're looking for is a sounding board, a panel, someone that you could bounce ideas off that can, that can tell you no and not, and not feel bad about it. Yeah, because honestly, I think what Mark Davis is doing, trying to conjure that spirit that his dad had grounded in, into, into the Raiders and made the Raiders the Raiders, I think that's a cool thing. You know, and I think that more teams should try to be as authentic as Mark Davis is trying to be. You know? And I just think, at, you know, from an administrative standpoint, you just need a little bit of help to get that done. You know, there's guys out there, whether it's team presidents who can help you with the imaging and the branding, and there's GMs who can help you with the player research. and there's a lot of smart people out there, and I just think hoping that Gruden could come in and control all this and fix all this was just a little bit of a pipe dream. But I get why he did it. I mean, you know, his dad loved John Gruden. John Gruden meant a lot to that franchise. I don't blame him, but right. it's just uh, it didn't work. No, it, I mean, it didn't. Ultimately, it didn't. You're, you're right about that, and, and that's why, like I said, I wanted to reach out to you after reading the piece and just kind of, you know, hear, hear, hear what you had to say yourself, and, 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 and I like the explanation. I think it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Connor, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate you. You can find the piece on Sports Illustrated, uh, and then you can find Connor on Twitter, at Connor Orr. And, and thank you so much for your time, my man. I do appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. No problem at all. Definitely appreciate your time. And again, the piece is called the NFL should step in to help stabilize the Raiders. And I know some people right now are like, why would, he, why would you put him on? And he's this, that, and the other. He's just a hater. It was a hit piece. Right, exactly. But I like to hear what people have to say. I like to hear them out. I like to give people a chance to speak. To them. And that's why we open up the phone lines all the time. Everyone doesn't agree on the same thing. Everyone doesn't feel the same way. I don't feel the same way as Sean in Tennessee. He called before we talked to Connor. I didn't agree with his call, but we still we like to hear from everyone. So uh, for everyone who's who's getting angry, and I've seen some tweets and some texts directed at me like they're angry at the world, and that's okay. That's all right. I, I appreciate you. Again, we don't always have to agree on everything, but just to hear the man out, there's nothing wrong with that. 3.46 is the time. Come back. We'll close out the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. All right, just got a couple minutes left in today's show. 3.50 is the time and got a text message talking about, I thought today was a three-hour show. No, it's only two hours today. I've been begging for three, four hours. You know how I do. I always beg for extra time. My mom hit me up today and was like, do you really beg for extra time on the air? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, mom, I love this stuff. I can't help myself. Vinny's going to be mad at me, though, if I try to take some time, so I'm not going to try to take his time away. But I will hit a couple callers real quick as we close out the show, 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to San Jose, the 408. Tim, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, Q, how you doing? I'm blessed, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Look, we talk about Deshaun Jackson helping this team, but I just don't know how this necessarily helps the red zone. I really think the Raiders need to just have a special playbook for the red zone and get a little fancy because we can't score field goals in the Chiefs. And I just, I don't get it. We keep talking about it. Why doesn't Carr throw the fade routes anymore? In 2016, that is all that man did. And that we school, we had such a good uh, red zone efficiency with Crabtree. I don't know if you remember Holmes. He was like six foot five. Uh, Rivera. I mean, we just need a, a guy, like a, an actual package for guys that are just tall or something, just to throw it up there. Or even those like um, corner, those corner routes that they throw at the corner of the end zone, where all the all the you, there's no possible way a defender can cover that if you just throw it in the right spot at the corner of the end zone. You know what I'm saying? We did a lot of that right. in 2016. I just want to see more of that. I I don't know why they don't run that, but I'm just saying, got to get those Mariota packages in there too. I, maybe Carr doesn't want to come off the field, but that red zone has to be fixed, man. He can't, no matter how good we get up and down the field, if we can't score a touchdown, it's a wrap. That's all I got, my man. Thank you, Q. Hey, great call. And you're right. The red zone needs as much attention as possible. It's got to be It's got to be better. I mean, it really does. They and, and they know that, man. They can't go to the red zone six times and only come away with six points once. You know what I mean? You can't settle for field goals. In this league, you're not going to win a lot of games. Uh, we got a couple text messages real quick, and I definitely have to address this before we wrap up. Uh, we got one text. Hey, Q, I'm glad you brought Connor on. Now that he's explained his article, it makes a lot of sense. That's actually not a bad idea at all. Mark Davis has done a great job, but he's admitted this. He knows what he knows, and he knows why he doesn't know and what he doesn't know. So bringing people to help out in areas that the team is having issues in, that would only help the team strive towards what Mr. Davis is trying to achieve. The less drama, the better. That was one positive text. Now, with one positive, we're going to get about 15 negatives, right? So Jason in Maryland is not too happy with me. Q, you could have asked him tougher questions or stays talking negatively about the Raiders. In your convo with him, on one hand, he says Mayock had no experience, but then a minute later he calls him a talented GM. That dude is full of crap. Then he said he mentioned the 2020 draft class being basically done, but we got three starters out of the class as part of the national media narrative, but you don't ta- you didn't challenge him at all. So, Jason, I apologize that I didn't ask the question that you wanted. Soft. No, no, no. It's all good. I apologize that I didn't ask the question that you wanted. I asked the questions that I wanted because I read the piece and I just wanted to get his thoughts. Just like I try to get everyone's thoughts when I ask them to call in and give their thoughts on whatever. It could be good. It could be bad. Just like your thoughts. I appreciate your call telling me that I didn't ask them tough enough questions. Fine. That's your this opinion. takes problem. No. Just, people, no, people just want that debate. Exactly. No, but I'm saying people want that. You said that's this. Not, but that's not my job. I, know, but I don't my, do that. I don't expect everything I, to me like right, that. Right. But I'm, that's, that's called fiction. I'm living in a world where I just want to have conversation. I don't always have to fight. Everyone wants to fight. Exactly. I don't want to fight. I just want to hear what the man had to say. 
Also, responding to Tim, in 2019, only 13% of fade routes that were thrown in the end zone were for touchdowns. 13%. It's not as effective as you think. Hey, well, let's get somebody 6-7 and just throw it to him in the end zone. It doesn't always work. Okay, 13%. that's true. 13%. I just want to throw to that out there. But back to Jason's text. I want to I make sure I wrap this up because I don't want to leave him hanging and think that I ducked it because I'm not ducking anything. But I just asked him his thoughts. He said a sounding board he thought would be a good idea. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that the Raiders need that. I'm not suggesting they go out and do that. But this is one man's thoughts. So I asked him. Simple as that. Again, I'm not trying to challenge him. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. I'm not going for that. I'm not going for Skip Bayless where they just throw stuff out there. It's just what it was. All that national media narrative stuff, I don't sign up for that. We have conversations here every day about the silver and black. If you want to worry about the national media, then that's who you should probably be listening to. Not me. I just asked his opinion on his piece. So there it is. Appreciate you, Jason. Next time I'll challenge more. I guess. Not really. 355 is the time. That's a wrap for me. Me and my unchallenging self is going to go ahead and pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor. Danny's in studio. Lincoln Kennedy's coming up next. They'll keep the party rolling. Appreciate everyone who chimes in, regardless how long you listen or if you listen at all. It's all good. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.